Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and we're continuing our executive decision series today. We were joined by Salib Sirtawala in our last episode to kick things off. And in our second episode, we're joined by Elias Schuster. He's part of Bleacher Nation Bulls. He's been on our podcast a couple of times before. He's always provided great insight into the team, and I think he would make a great armchair executive to help put this Bulls team on the right track. So again, for those that didn't listen to the last episode or just need a little bit of a refresher, the Executive Decision Series gives our guests a chance to play the role of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and make this team a viable playoff team for the 2022 season and make them a top-tier team in the Eastern Conference by 2023. So let's not waste any time. Let's bring Elias in right now. Elias, thanks for coming on. If you recall, the last time you were on this podcast, it was a week before the start of the pandemic. So much has changed in our world and so much has changed with the Chicago Bulls. So I guess it's perfect to have you on now. Yeah, wow. That is, uh, I, I did not realize it's been that long. And I guess it's because uh, really nothing in, in my life or anyone's life. I mean, there's a lot, been a lot of changes, but we've all been cooped up at home. So uh, I, I feel like time has been a blur over this last year or so. It's like what ha- a lot has changed, but also so much has not changed. Like you ask people how their life's going and it's kind of the same because everything just was on pause for a year. So it's crazy that it's been that long. I do feel like things are starting to get back to a level of normalcy, and we're seeing that even with the NBA playoffs going on. We're seeing fans in the stands, and this season did feel like a normal season in a way, and it was it was interesting to, to watch the whole bull season unfold. I'm curious, just real quick, before we get started with our uh, episode, how you thought this season went overall? Well, I think it was... Uh... You know, I don't think it went exactly as as many anticipated. I think only because I didn't necessarily think they were going to be a, you know, like the Bulls specifically were going to be a a top six seed. I think that was always kind of pushing it. Um, I did think there was a a chance that they could uh, and that they should have pushed for for the play-in spot. So the fact that they didn't get that kind of makes looking at the season a little bit awkward. But at the same time, there's just so many uh, different components to this season that made it so unique and so different and that's not just to say the pandemic but also it's the first of a new front office it's the first of a new coaching staff it's the first of an entirely new style of play and then you throw in on top of that all the pandemic stuff and everything behind the scenes and then all the trades so you know i i think it's a there's many positive things to take away from it um but I think what we talked about you know a little bit off air right before we started here is just this is such a pivotal off season now uh, where you got to set some sort of path, you got to set some sort of direction, uh, and, and so that's what we're 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 going to talk about here today. And I think that's uh, now we just have to look ahead. What, what's the direction that we're going to see this team take? And uh, it'll be interesting to find that out. Man, you're you're a fucking natural. You just rolled right into the uh, the whole point <laughs> of the episode. I love it. Um, so Elias is going, to, of course, for our listeners, he's going to take on the role of our tourist current show with Mark Eversley, the Bulls brain trust really, and try to build a viable playoff team for the 2022 season and then get everything set up for title contention or at least a top team in the Eastern Conference 
by the start of the 2023 season. So Elias, are you ready to play armchair executive? Absolutely. I hope I, uh, I hope I do an okay job here. Well, either way, you'll get compensated very well. Uh, <laughs> a lot of executives do. So let's start with this. This is going to be the, the question I use to kick off all these episodes. And so Elias, when you look at the roster, what do you think are the biggest needs for the Chicago Bulls? All right. Well, obviously, the first thing I'm going to say is a big fat duh, and it's the point guard position. Uh, I was initially an advocate for trying out, you know, Kobe White. I, I was glad that they they gave him a shot, and I think also we we can't completely rule out him developing as a playmaker and a creator. It's just is he going to get to the point of being a reliable lead guard? It, it's too hard to say right now, and you sped up your timeline with the Vucevic acquisition. So now you have to look for somebody who can come in and be an immediate table setter. So. I think point guard is exactly what you have to address first thing first. Um, I'm still looking at, you know, Lonzo Ball as, as the move to make. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who are the people coming in and, and going after him as well. You know, the Knicks are rumored to be out there. I'm sure other teams are going to sneak their way in. And also, he's obviously restricted. So New Orleans always has the opportunity to keep him. Uh, you know, Zion has kind of said he likes playing with them. And the two, him, Ball and Lonzo, or Lonzo and uh, Zion, that is, fit together quite well so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him but he'd be the guy that uh you know i hope the bulls kind of start to look at i know we're going to get into like exact free agents later but point guards where you got to look first and then you know after that i think you actually have to answer a pretty important question of what are you going to do between you know what are you going to do with patrick williams and what are you going to do with the power forward the two forward positions because patrick williams played like 40 percent of his minutes uh this year um at the power forward position and you know his on off differential was about four or five points better when he was at power forward. He looked more comfortable there. I don't mind him at the wing because I understand you want him to kind of add a more versatile offensive skill set there. He can do a little bit more for you on the offensive end there eventually. But he knows how to – his defensive instincts are good at the four. And he can go and help Vucevic. Uh, he's, he's been always a kind of a natural help defender. So – you kind of have to answer that in your head first and then decide, are we going to seek out power forwards? Or are we going to add maybe our wing to our wing depth? And that's to, for me personally, I, I throw that out there because it's something that I'm going to waffle with. And, and I think you're going to see Patrick Williams uh, get more minutes at power forward, kind of regardless of what they do. I'll pick one here and I'll say that he'll stay at small forward and you got to look for, for some answer uh, to go next to Gucci at power forward. So point guard and power forward, and then some, you know, you got to upgrade your bench, look for some better uh, wing depth. And that's an interesting uh, point with Patrick Williams. And it was something that Salim Sudawala and I talked about on the last episode where we did this, that Patrick was very comfortable defensively going up against fours than he was threes. It seemed like some of the times he did struggle was against some of those better wing players in the league. Yeah, and it's important to for him to learn those qualities because he does have that ability to play the three. I think we all see it. We also know that back in the day he had that he used to play point guard in high school. You know, those, some of those little techniques you pick up from playing that position in terms of, uh, you know, your ball handling and just kind of your court vision. We've seen him make a lot of really good live dribble passes and stuff like that. Uh, it, it makes sense for him to to stay at the three. I'm fine with that. And I think you're going to get potentially the most uh, out of his game in the long run uh, if you keep him there. It's just a question you have to ask yourself. How much do you want to play him at the four? Because uh, you're trying to win now and he – like you said, uh, he looked the most comfortable um, there several times this season. So uh, if I'm, you know, the executive and also I'm talking to the coaching staff, uh, I'll look for a power forward. 
uh, in this market, but I'm also next season going to probably mix it up the same amount, try to play in there, you know, a good chunk of the time and, and stagger his minutes and get him uh, next to Vucevic because I think he fits well. So before you do a lot of this adding through free agency trades, maybe the draft, we'll get into that shortly. There's a, a situation that is going to loom large this offseason and possibly into the, the regular season with Zach Levine. Now, of course, Zach Levine, he has one more year left on his contract, but it's kind of advantageous for him to wait another year because of his bird rights and cash in on a larger contract. Do you think that Zach Levine is, is actually going to hold out for more cash? Or do you think he could potentially agree to an extension right away? Well, I think it's important for us to remember that there is a way for him to get uh, pretty darn close to the to the max he can get a year from now uh, by by eating into the salary cap and, and spiking that up. So there is a way to get to that to the, to the kind of money. So he wouldn't necessarily be leaving a, a ton on the table if you were to get it done. But I think this is a great question, and honestly, uh, I think it's a pretty easy answer for me. I'm not doing anything with it. We can sit down and we can talk about it, and, and I can have the conversation with him. And this is nothing against Levine. I have full belief. I think he, you know, he's somebody that I would, uh, I would be happy to, to keep long term uh, if I was running the organization. I just think that, you know, the whole point is you're trying to build this team. You're trying to build a winner. He's somebody who, you know, reportedly. Uh, the whole discount thing was always kind of silly, but the whole kind of idea of that is, is is less about the discount and more of he wants to to give the organization a chance to add talent, right? To help him, to help them win. And if that is at all in his head, not the discount, but the idea of wanting to add talent uh, to win in Chicago, then you don't work out this extension right now, this off season, because you have to eat into the salary cap to do so. So you let them add that the, any talent that uh, they can. Um, this offseason. So, and also if Levine is the player that you want him to be and the player that Chicago uh, anticipates he can be, then you should be completely comfortable waiting uh, another season to, to give him that money. So for me, I think it, it's best for everybody. And I ultimately think this is what's going to happen is uh, you're just going to wait it out, you know? And I, and I think, uh, yeah, you're always scared that potentially he can decide I'm going to go really test the waters. Um, or I, I want to eventually test the waters and maybe he changes his mind and whatever. But I just think it's best for everybody to, to kind of sit on it and uh, and try to build the team, try to win and, and revisit it because he has only expressed loyalty to the, to the city. And, and I don't necessarily see that changing. The past. Well, and the way that your roster is set up too, I mean, it's, it's definitely advantageous to have two all-stars on the roster than shed one because of a looming contract situation. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, how it actually plays out. But for me, I think this is, you know, trust what he's always said, which is he plans to play in Chicago. He wants to be here. And and the whole goal is to build out this roster around the two of them. Uh, You're hurting yourself another season if you at all limit yourself. You know, you're already with the Boosvich acquisition shortened to the amount of cap space that you have. So use what you can this season to to focus on uh, adding the right pieces around them. And then uh, when it's time to talk about the extension next offseason, you get that done. All right, so the first order of business that's going to happen is the, you know, draft lottery and then the, the actual draft itself. There's two scenarios that could unfold on draft night. So let me let me lay out the first one. Let's say the Bulls 
get into the top four. The lottery ball bounces their way and the protection on that pick kicks in. What would you be doing with that pick? Are you looking to use it in a trade package to potentially bring in a talented, proven piece? Or are you going to keep that pick? Right. So if the Bulls were able to land in the top four, uh, you know, the first thing you do is is I, I think you pick up the phone. I'm not saying that you're definitely going to you're going to trade it, but uh, you have to do your due diligence. And I think most front offices do where you pick up the phone, you ask around, you see who's out there, because right now there are a bunch there's there's always going to be disgruntled superstars. And at this at this moment, there are, uh, you know, a couple names being being thrown around as, as potentially getting to that point of uh, superstars who want to leave and, and whatever. But with that said, if it doesn't get to that point, if like a Bradley Beal, and it feels kind of crazy to say, but, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Damian Lillard, but like even a Damian Lillard, if, if these type of guys, uh, if the water settles and things are okay, you know, you pull the pick back in, and uh, I think you take, you know, you take a, a top pick there. Pre- specifically, I think you go after Jalen Suggs because he, at, this, at the same time that you're trying to win now, and you want to go get a superstar, and that's great. Uh, this organization is still trying to, you know, build something for the future. It's still trying to build um, a long-lasting uh, uh, contender. So that's why they're putting all this emphasis on Patrick Williams, and you know that's why I think uh, they're also, they've kind of laid the the land here and said we want to stick with Zach Levine. So I think Suggs would be uh, a guy who can come in right away and potentially make an impact, but he's also going to help you most in the long run. And, you know, let's say you're sticking at number four and he doesn't look like he's going to fall to number four. I wouldn't hate even trying to trade up to get him if it seems like he's going to be at two or three. Uh, hmm. Exactly what that would take, I don't know. But I'm just high on him in general. I think he's the perfect type of point guard this Bulls team needs, and not even just right now, but for what everything about the current construct of this team seems to represent and what they seem to like, he seems to fit that mold. Um, so yeah, I'm less about even K- I get why Cade Cunningham is the first, uh, is projected to be first overall. I get it. I wouldn't go as far as to try to go after him. Um, but if Suggs is sitting there and he's kind of obtainable, uh, I'd be very interested in going after him. What if the lottery ball bounces your way at number one? Are you going to go with Suggs or are you going to go for Cade Cunningham? Oof. If it's at one, I mean, maybe you probably just have to end up taking, uh, taking Cade for like the upside alone, but Maybe I pick up the phone and I see if I can trade down a spot or something, you know, like, or maybe I do the whole, I, I send some smoke up into the air and I, I act like, uh, you know, I find out people who, who, cause I mean, I, it's so hard to say how far off. And I think I would have to do even now just talking about this. I'd have to do even more research on it on, uh, to, to really get my mind into like what I, what I like. Cause I mean, it's been a little while since I sat down and really thought about the draft, especially with the bulls trading their pick away. But Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would be fine taking, if we were there in the top four, I would definitely be fine going after one of those top four point guards because of the fact that you have to develop. I mean, this is still a long game that the Bulls are playing here. You're still trying to build something. You don't need the immediate uh, gratification. You want to kind of this, do this slow build, similar to what Arturis did with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, you saw them slowly build and build and build. Um, you know, over four or five years, but it was like playoffs and then it was deeper in the playoffs and then it was deeper in the playoffs. So that's kind of what you want to go for here. Okay. So then there's the other scenario. If the pick falls outside the top four, Orlando gets it. Um, are you trying to possibly trade 
with another team to get into the first round, or are you just going to sit back? So I saw this question, uh, obviously, beforehand, because fortunately I I got to see these questions beforehand. And so I have two thoughts here that I just want to share. And one is my thought, or like my thought process, and one is actually what I think, uh, my thought process based on like Arturis and Mark. And so just starting with like me, I do uh, look for a potential trade and opportunity. Again, it's the due diligence thing. I think you're always calling. Um, I don't know if the Bulls necessarily have the pieces to really trade uh, to trade into one of those spots, but you never know. I mean, there's always these late first round picks out there that um, that you know teams don't necessarily need, and maybe there's like these contending teams that would take potentially that like off your hands. Uh, it's hard to know what Thad's value is after the season now, because obviously he's another, he's going to get another year older. I don't know what, uh, how valuable, um, these teams now perceive him, but considering how valuable he was in the trade deadline, I'd like to think it's not too, it didn't diminish too much. Uh, so potentially, you know, he can be involved in a trade in for the late first round, because for me, what I think about is look at the point guards uh, specifically, if we're talking about you know the 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 Bulls' need for a point guard, um, look at the point guards that were available at the back end of the 2020 draft. I mean, you had guys like Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Peyton Pritchard, uh, even like Malachi Flynn looked good. Desmond Baines, a guard who's looked really good. RJ Hampton's looked good. Those are all guys who went 25 and up. So, and they all played pretty impact minutes this year. And then you have a guy like uh, Tyrese Maxey, who I think was only a couple picks higher than uh, than 25. So our 25 and down were the other group I named or whatever. But there are guys in the back of the draft potentially that uh, could be impact uh, players right away and, and be good depth pieces. So I would definitely look into into those uh, into those options and tying it just to what I think AK and, and Mark might do. Uh, that's what I think they might do. I think uh, it's not crazy to believe especially knowing that they are draft enthusiasts. They're guys who like to scout, you know, they're both kind of scouts at heart. Um, they, they might look at some of those back end of the guy or back end of the draft guys and see if they can go in there and get them. So now with that all in mind, you got a lot of interesting decisions you got to make with some of the pieces on the roster. So I'm going to rattle off some names, Elias, and you tell me what your plans are with, with them. And I'm going to start with probably one of the biggest names on the roster, Laurie Markinen, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, we heard Arturis Karnaschovas talk glowingly about him, but, but kind of hinted like he might be in, in their plans, but it, it seems like a smokescreen. Curious what you would do if, if you were in their shoes on Laurie Markinen. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Uh, total smokescreen. I can't, <laughs> nothing that uh, the front office has said about Markinen has been followed up by actions. And obviously we all know actions speak louder than words and literally nothing they've done as, as fall. I mean, they said at the, you know, the early in free agency, Hey, we were going to, but all right, I'm rambling now about the lawyer market thing. I'll answer your question. What I would do is um, I would obviously look for, for sign and trade opportunities um, in my front office. We're, we're never going to just let someone walk, you know, that's never the goal. So you always want to make sure that you're looking for sign and trade opportunities, and I ultimately think the Bulls can ter- uh, can pull this off. Um, ideally, this is potentially where the Lonzo thing could come into play. Um, they didn't seem to have a lot of interest in marketing uh, at the trade deadline, but you know things change. Uh, maybe they somehow see a-, a way they can get him, or maybe they can. This can be 
They can grab marketing and flip it for something else later on. Who knows? Uh, or maybe the Bulls take back salary somehow, you know. But I think that's where you got to look first is to see if there's any way to kind of rework with less of a time crunch, uh, a way to get marketing and, the, and assign a trade deal for Lonzo Ball. If that doesn't work, uh, there's been, you know, speculation and rumors about the San Antonio Spurs having interest, uh, interest in, in marketing. Uh, I would definitely call them up. It's hard to say who they would be willing to give up um, in some sort of sign and trade deal. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they, their backcourt's kind of crowded. I don't know if you can get like a line, a Lonnie Walker because he's, he's a very solid player. They, he's a young guy, but like they have, you know, Dejounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, um, all fighting kind of for those two guard positions. So that would be interesting. I would definitely ask what they would, they would give. I would, even if it turned into like some pick compensation or something, and, and uh, even a guy like Trey Jones is just like a potential depth piece. He's only 21 years old. I liked him. Uh, Dallas, I think Lowry said he was interested in Dallas. Call Dallas, see if there's anything that could be done for Jalen Brunson. Mm. Uh, he's, an, he's an interesting name. I, I think uh, it's hard to say if Brunson could be really that. I mean, he's definitely – a lead guard, you know, he, he seems like uh, somebody who can, who can run the show, whether he's like the super gifted facilitator is a little hard to say. Um, and lastly, I would say call the Celtics, uh, see if maybe the, this is something can be done involving Lowry for, uh, you know, a Marcus smart exchange or something like that. Uh, yeah, there are options out there. Some of them are kind of too, too good to believe or too hard to figure out how exactly it would work. But uh, that's what I'm doing with marketing first off is I'm calling around for any sign of trade opportunities. So what I kind of like about this idea with, with Laurie, I mean, there, that idea has been kicked around a lot about using him within these you know, sign and trade packages. And, and sometimes it can be a little tricky to work out. But, you know, I like your thinking because Lonzo Ball we've heard about, but there are other point guard options you could pursue with this. And I, I kind of like your idea of kind of using this as a, as a way to solve that position of need. The The Jalen Brunson option is one that's really intriguing to me because I feel like he keeps getting steadily better every season. You know, his shooting efficiency is like just insanely good for a point guard, especially from two point range. And his three point shot is really good too. So like you're getting a, a very efficient shooter and somebody that I think is ready to take the next step. I, I kind of do get the one concern though that you have that is he actually able to be that facilitating lead guard? But I would definitely be interested in given the age and upside. Yeah, and I think one other thing on, on Brunson, you know, I, I think like you said, the age and upside is huge. The only other concern I would have is kind of just his general lack of of athleticism. Uh, does he need that next to Levine? You know, does he? It, it, his defense is okay, but like he just kind of lacks that explosiveness that you might want to see in, in the Bulls' backcourt too. But uh, I agree that he looks like a guy who's steadily improving, steadily getting better. And um, let's say if that was kind of the, because who knows too if he's a, for sure a starting point guard. But if that's the name you can get back in a marketing trade, I think that's pretty good. I mean, I think you, you did pretty good for yourself. The only thing about the Mavs is they're not going to take marketing if they have Porzingis. Most likely. So, you know, are they going to end up getting rid of Porzingis? That would be the question. So uh, I do think the Dallas thing would ultimately be hard, but uh, mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse than Brunson in exchange for marketing. Yeah, and I could see that with the Porzingis issue. That, that could end up being, you know, something where you end up in a 
three-team deal to kind of make all those pieces work. I'm going to go to somebody else, uh, Tomas Sadoransky. You know, he can be released to free up about $5 million. His contract's worth 10. If you release him, it's a $5 million cap hit. You free up $5 million. What are you doing with him? Or do you want to keep him? Do you want to cut him to free up cap space? Or are you looking to trade him? Yeah, so again, uh, the motto for my uh, imaginary front office is, you know, we're not just letting anybody walk for nothing. So uh, I'm seeking out any trade opportunities I can get right off the bat. Um, you know, I think it's it's something that I don't know exactly what a, a Sato market looks like. Uh, could you potentially package Sato and uh, Thad Young? Um, you know, I, it's something that I think you, you definitely have to look into. Um I guess I'll just I'll, I'll just kind of I'll keep this one short and I'll put it at this. I don't see Sadoransky necessarily uh, having much of a role moving forward. So in some way or other, I think you got to kind of let him go because the Bulls are clearly looking to to upgrade the point guard position. Sado's a great role player. I think he's a really solid guy who can come off the bench for you. It's just you're going to get a little crowded if you add more, a starting point guard. You also want Kobe to come into the mix. You know, then Sato's going to end up playing uh, more at the wing or something. He's coming in just to be a defender. But he's kind of one of those guys I do think if you called around, someone could potentially take him because uh, he'll come in for any team and, and he'll give you what he gives you. Uh, he's careful with the with the ball. He gives you some flashy assists. You kind of know what to expect. He's not going to give you a ton on the offensive end. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going to call a call about him. Uh, but I'm probably looking to move on from him this offseason. Player in a similar situation, you brought him up as Thaddeus Young. He can also be released. He has a $14 million deal, but you can free up $8 million and just take a $6 million cap hit. Now, Thaddeus Young did have some value as a role player, especially earlier in the season. Do you think, though, it might be worth also maybe for freeing up cap space to release him or trade him, or would you want to keep him on this roster as a role player, seeing as you're looking to make the playoffs next year. Yeah. So again, I'm, uh, I'm going to call around see what I can get. I'm just a little bit worried about that just with his age. Um, you know, last season was kind of an anomaly for any player. You know, you don't see somebody at their uh, age 32 season reinvent themselves in the, in the way that we kind of saw that do it. Obviously a lot of the things were the same, but the way that he uh, upped his, you know, assist numbers, um, so from like two to like basically doubled them. Uh, you just don't see that a lot. And also with now Vooch in the mix, who's going to be doing a lot more of that uh, facilitating. Um, that's just not going to get as many of those opportunities. So I just don't see next season, his value reaching the peak that it did this year. Um, if anything, I see it kind of going down a little bit. So uh, I would call around and see if you can get anything for uh, his current value. But in this case, kind of a, uh, um, unlike Sadoransky, where I'm kind of really pushing to 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 get him um, off the roster or, or to kind of to move on from him, uh, if there's nothing out there for for Thad that seems somewhat intriguing, uh, I'm okay with probably just giving him the rest of the money and keeping him on the roster. Uh, there's something to be said about you know the the things he does off the court. Um, the thing, Zach Levine's a guy who loves him. We talked earlier about keeping Levine, you know, long-term, uh, is Levine going to feel real happy if you trade away like this best friend on the team? Probably not. So unless it's a good exchange for something good. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, you keep them if you can't find anything that's, uh, somewhat intriguing, 
and uh, and you just ride it out. Maybe he plays well again, and you can move him at the trade deadline. Uh, or maybe he just comes off the bench again for you, and, and no matter what, he should be able to give you some solid defense. Um, who knows if he's going to be as good uh, facilitating or, you know, around the rim. That, that, that little hook that he has is insanely efficient, and it's hard for that to just drop out of your game completely. Um, so I'm okay with him sticking around if, if that's what it comes to and, and just continuing to be that, that role player. So let's go to somebody who was really pretty valuable post-trade deadline when he was acquired was Daniel Tice. He is set to hit unrestricted free agency, and many people think that he could be a candidate for a mid-level exception somewhere. So what are you doing with Daniel Tice? Do you want to bring him back at the right price? And I, I guess what is the right price for you? Yeah, the right price question's hard. I, I, it's just so much depends on the market, and I think the price might be higher than what we expect, just because, um, you know, just because he's going to be. There's more teams with cap space right now. Um, in terms of if I'm going to be, if I'd like to keep him around, I definitely would look into it. My only concern with um, with Tice is, can he play? Are we playing a full season with him at, at power forward? You know, he looked good there for a while with Pooch. Uh, he has the athleticism athleticism to do it he's already um you know kind of a a small five for for his size usually um if he is coming off the bench as a center that's a pretty elite backup center to have coming off the bench for you uh but i think um if that, that that's the big concern for me it goes back to the patrick williams question too like how much are are, are you going to be playing uh pat at the four so with tice i i would look into it but eventually if if you know someone else is is really pushing up the uh, the asking price, then you just kind of have to probably let him walk because at the end of the day, being that guy that's not the traditional four, he's used to playing, uh, he's used to playing at the five. Um, is he going to want to be coming off the bench potentially uh, to back up Vooch? Uh, and Vooch will be eating a lot of minutes. It's hard to say. So that's one you really just, I think you just have to feel out. You got to wait and see how the market responds to him. What money are they going to be offering him? Uh, and then see where it goes from there. Because I'm curious, do you have down real quick? Do you know what he made this on his last contract? I believe he made close to I think it's five million dollars. And now the mid level exception is going to be nine. So I was thinking that you could see it go up to like to to ten. You know, and you said the MLE is not is going to be right. It's going to be nine. Uh, and so you know, I think a team could easily offer him. You know. 11 million potentially to be there, you know, I just could see it getting to getting a good amount higher than that. And, uh, and that's going to have to be what the Bulls watch out for. It's in an off season too, where the free agent market is not really that beefy, you know, like prior to this season, we saw so many of the big names sign those extensions. So now Tice is going to be an interesting name that hits the market for some of these teams. And, you know, it's kind of similar with like Laurie Markkinen. Those are the type of guys that usually cash in. Laurie being a guy that's younger with a lot of potential upside and a a general manager thinks if they can get him in their building with their coaching staff that they can tap a lot of that potential out. So you can see him getting like 18 to 20 potentially. And Daniel Tice, I kind of agree with you. I, I, I think that the, the bidding could start at 10 million. I think it's going to be higher than the MLE. And I know there's a lot of Bulls fans that think he's going to come back at that price tag, but I think it's going to be higher. I think it's going to be higher than people expect because also, I mean, you know, everyone thinks that like no one is going to see 
what he did when he came. Also, let's not pretend he wasn't an effective player in Boston. It was pretty, it was pretty surprising that they were, they gave a, they gave him up. I know they wanted to to do it for financial reasons, but uh, you know, you saw the team, the way the players reacted, they weren't very happy about his absence. Um, And then when he came to the bulls, all he did was, was play good basketball. So uh there's no question that and he started the year prior you know what 60 games for a playoff team so uh i I think people are going to be surprised when they see potentially the contract that he gets and uh and the teams that are interested because uh he's a good player are you waiting to see like what else you've done in free agency before you see what to do with him because like let's say a team gives him a a contract that has an annual salary of like 12 million dollars a year is that your cutoff point yeah, probably. I mean, again, because I think it's just what's so hard about Tyson, what I keep going back to is like, I just don't know for sure what what am I paying him? What role am I paying him to play? And then yeah. what role in exchange? Because I mean, think about backup centers. I mean, you can get like, yes, he's very good. And he would be like I said, an elite. He would be arguably the best like backup center in the league if he's coming off the bench for you. But you know, you, you want to get the most out of them. So it's just hard because backup centers come cheap in, in, in the NBA. So you don't want to overpay for, uh, for that position. So, yes, I mean, to, to answer your question, I think I would definitely, it'd be something that uh, I would monitor the other conversations he's having. I would try to add my other assets first. Obviously, I would go for adding my point guard first. Um, uh, no matter what, I'm adding point guard first, and then I'm addressing the power forward and, and the center position. All right, so let's attack free agency because I think a lot of these other moves, they're contingent on, on that plan that you're bringing up there. So how, how are you looking to attack free agency? Is your approach going to be locking down some players to long-term deals or are you looking for more short-year commitments with some of those early opt-outs so you have some future flexibility? Yeah, I'm definitely – I'm not going long. I'm not going super long term here because, as we've talked about, this is not a this is not a stellar free agent class. So, you know, I would definitely not mind to. I'm keeping things flexible no matter what. Uh, I'm only going to go long term on things if, if you know, it's somebody like uh, a younger player like Lonzo. You know, if you're going after a guy like Lonzo Ball, the, ideally you want to lock him up, uh, go after him a little bit longer. Um, there's maybe some role players like. Uh, Maybe there's potentially some cheap role players uh, that you could get on, you know, a multi-year deal. But for the most part, uh, unless it's kind of a heavy hitter, I would definitely like to uh, to stay to stay in in the flexible realm because uh, the 2022 free agent class, um, which I know I think uh, we'll talk about a little bit later, that class just has more options for you. But and I say that. Uh, that's what we thought about 2021 would have. And then you see all these extensions that come out, uh, you know, uh, during the off season for, for or a year earlier and then guys get snatched up. So uh, it's a hard game to play, but there's just not anybody in this market right now that's super worth committing long-term. So you've brought the name Lonzo Ball quite a bit. I'm guessing that is your, your number one target. But when we look at some of the other point guards, I just want to throw it out for our listeners. I mean, there are some guys with player options, Chris Paul is one of them. I have a very hard time believing he's going to want to leave Phoenix with the way they've been this season. Spencer Dinwiddie has a player option. Uh, Some of the players that are on the unrestricted market are Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry. They carry very hefty price tags of $30 million a year. Um, There are names like Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Mills, uh, Goran Dragic has a club option, but could get 
pretty good chunk of money. Is there other names that you're looking at aside from Lonzo Ball that might interest you? For sure, yeah. No, I, I think uh, – I keep yes, I keep bringing up the Lonzo thing just because I think he kind of – he's really exactly what this Bulls team needs right now. And I used to be – it's funny that I catch myself saying this just because I used to be very – not fully anti-Lonzo, but just very uninterested in Lonzo. And then I think watching this season and, and seeing the way that uh, this front office started building the team, I was uh, interested in him. But I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case because, like I said, there could be plenty of teams going after him. So uh, you definitely have to have a long list of, of options. So guys, I think they can look at you. Name one of them. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a really interesting target. Um, you know, got to watch what he does. The player option. My kind of gut tells me that he could pick that up. Uh, but then also, are the Nets going to want to keep him? you know, around. Is he also going to be wanting to come off the bench? So maybe he would turn it down. He's just someone I, I, I monitor because I think he can fit nicely. Uh, you have the risk not knowing exactly how he's coming off that partially torn uh, ACL, but I like him. TJ McConnell is a guy that you can look at. Uh, I'm not super high on his ability to be the start, like a, a really strong starting point guard for you. Uh, just offensively, he doesn't really provide too much, um, at least scoring wise, playmaking. Uh, very solid playmaker, and, and he's kind of a, a defensive hound on the perimeter, so so that's really good. Um, you know, you can look at a guy like Devontae Graham. A lot of people forget about mm-hmm. Devontae Graham, but he's going to be out there, and I think he can offer the Bulls uh, at least check some of the boxes that they need because he is not, he's gotten better on the defensive end. Uh, he used to not be very good, but he's gotten a little bit better. Uh, the Hornets are, are not really going to need him with Rogier and, and, and LaMelo Ball there. Uh, he's in an awkward spot right now. And he's a good spot of three-point shooter. I mean, he's a guy that you want. The Bulls need a three-point or a point guard that's going to be able to catch and shoot from three, uh, you know, and, and kind of just lay the land. And uh, and that's something I think Devontae Graham can do for them. So, uh, yeah, you I think you mentioned, or I don't know if you mentioned, but like Alex Caruso's out there. He wouldn't be your starting point guard type, but maybe he's a role player you go after. I don't know what kind of money he's going to get. Uh, maybe he gets kind of the Lakers cash from somebody or the Lakers give it to him. But uh He's just kind of a guy who could fill uh, a good role for you defensively. And maybe you look at someone like Reggie Jackson, who's having a good playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're getting into names that aren't going to be your your kind of – and who you don't want to be your everyday starter. But maybe, guys, you take flyers on, and, and it improves your depth, and, and they can come in and and, uh, and hit some threes and, and play some good defense for you. Devontae Graham is a very intriguing name, too, and it might be one of those scenarios because he is a restricted free agent where – you might be able to pull off even a deal and, and unload that Sadoransky contract because that might be an interesting option for, for Charlotte. Um, you know, I, I know they have Rozier, they have they have Lamelo, but Sadoransky kind of offers a different wrinkle at the guard position. So I feel like that might be an opportunity. Yeah, and he offers, and I, I think that's a good uh, that's a good thought because he, what he offers them is, you know, Devontae Graham is is a starter in this league. I mean, he seems like a guy who's going to be a starter based off what he did, um, you know, a season ago. So uh, he was, you know, he was in the running for a most improved player. And I, I think he's a guy who's a starter. And Thomas Sadoransky probably isn't, you know, he's not a consistent starter. So I, I definitely think the Hornets could be interested in, in having a guy like that come off the bench and add a little bit of length. Um, and the Bulls could be interested in someone like Graham who, is still young and, and uh, developing and, and showed some promise. So I, I would definitely look at him as, as a guy to keep an eye on. He's someone that a lot of people forget about just because, especially when you look at like your free agent lists, he just makes so little money that he's not near the top or anything. And you just kind of forget that he's a guy mm-hmm. that I, and you forget the Hornet situation with their, their guards that they have right now. And 
and how he might not fit in with the uh, the future picture. So I think he's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, I wouldn't be a responsible Bulls podcaster if I didn't ask the obligatory Derrick Rose question. So with Derrick Rose, with Derrick Rose set to hit the open market and actually having a solid season with the Knicks, would you be potentially interested in bringing him in either as a you know starting point guard option, an option off the bench, or not a good fit with this current situation? Um, I am so torn because my heart pulls me one way, and then my uh, my my new executive brain pulls me in another. <laughs> I don't see <laughs> I don't see a uh, a fit for him on this team, and I don't think that's you know that's not crazy to say. And I some Bulls fans are going to be sad to to hear it, but. Uh, he doesn't fit here. He's not going to be this team starting point guard. I mean, he's not. Uh, he's not what they need. You know, he's he's older. He's not a he's not a super gifted defender. Um, he's gotten better at shooting. Uh, his, you know, shooting his jumper and with his jumper and his three point shot. But at the end of the day, he's not like the archi- the archetype of the the point guard that that this Bulls team needs. So I'd be totally cool if he was like your six man if he wanted to come off and and be that guy. But um, you know, I think he'll get he'll get paid from a team with a better fit. And I think he could very get very well get paid from the Knicks who have, uh, who could have arguably the most cap space in the league. So um, I just think it's, it's a sweet thought, but it's just not meant to be right now. What are the other areas you're looking to add? I know earlier you, you brought up like wing depth uh, power forward. If you are making that move to put Patrick Williams or keep Patrick Williams at the three, what are some of the other names that you might look to add to this team to kind of fill out the roster? Yeah, uh, I'm interested in in uh, Pat was to move for the four. You know, could Arturis go after someone who he knows, like a Will Barton? Uh, I think the Nuggets would probably pay uh, Will Barton. And I think if I'm if I'm correct, I think he's restricted. Let me see here. Oh no, he's got a player option. And uh, yeah, okay, that's what I wrote down. He's got a player option, and I think um, you know he could turn that down. He had a pretty good season. You might look for uh, a longer deal. Um, and if he does, you know, could maybe he come over to the, to the bulls and be like a, a small forward option for them while Pat moves to the four. I think that could be interesting. It's just a thought experiment I had earlier, but, uh, other guys, like I would kind of look at, I, I wrote about this, um, on the site the other day. Uh, you know, the Damian Lillard stuff is fun to think about, but, uh, what's more realistic to think about with all these changes that Portland's going through is what if their role players are up for grabs? You know, like what if you can go get a guy like Derek Jones Jr. or Robert Covington uh, because this team's trying to get some fresh faces in there and, uh, you know, a head coach is talking to the front office and they want to mix things up. Um, that's just the thought I have. I mean, th- those are two guys that you'd have to trade for, but I don't know how high the price would be, especially Derek Jones Jr., who the Bulls were reportedly interested in last offseason. Uh, he didn't play much for the team at the, uh, in the, like in the playoffs or at the end of the year. So he could be interesting. Um, some Knicks guys, maybe you go after like a Reggie Bullock uh, who's going to be out there or, or, you know, an Alec Burks type to, to bolster your, uh, to your depth. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's other like little guys here and there. I think like, a, you know, a, a tough nut like James Ennis or something like, I mean, look, these are cheap options, but like a guy like him or like uh, what Saban Lee was a rookie on, on the Pistons, uh, a point guard mm-hmm. who showed, showed some promise. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Pistons are obviously a rebuilding organization and, and they might want to just keep him around. But if you're if our tourists looking for young guys to, to develop, uh, he was interesting. He was an interesting watch. So maybe give him a shot and sign him for cheap. Who is the final decision that at point guard? Is it Lonzo Ball in our hypothetical here? 
Oh, in the hypothetical, yes. Ideally, if you can get anyone, I would still go after Lonzo, which again is just funny because I never was on that route, but I just think he, he fits everything. So Lonzo would be the guy. If you can get him, I would get him. What do we think the price tag is for Lonzo Ball? I, you know, we've heard it somewhere around $20 million. Do you think that's what it's going to be a year? Yeah, it, it's again, I think it's going to be a price tag that is inflated because of the offseason that we see right now. And that is what works against the Bulls is the fact that, uh, you know, a team like the Knicks could probably give him the, that, that kind of a hefty load that he wants. Um, I think he said that he wanted, he said he wanted like 20 million a year. Didn't he say that? I think on his next contract, he like his agent said that or something. Yeah, 20 mm-hmm. million per season is what he wants. I think it's very possible he gets that because of the inflation we're going to see with some free agents. But I also would say uh, if we're looking at just kind of his market value, um, I know he played well at the end of the year, but I think he would get under that. If things were normal, you know, I think we're looking at like 17, 18 per year or something Uh, just because teams are going to be buying into, again, the fact that he's 23 years old, his three point shot seems to be improving. His defense is pretty good. Uh, so ideally, I'd like to pay in that range. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get the 20. Maybe he will from a team like the Knicks. But if it's not a team from the Knicks, I would look for something more in like the 17 range, 18 range. Okay, so then if, if Lonzo Ball is added to the roster, let's let's say in your scenario, you decide Patrick Williams is going to play the three. Is there a four that you're going to add from free agency? That might intrigue you. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, because like ideally, I would like to... I might, that's where I might look into the trade market, you know, a little bit or see if that's where, you know, flipping somebody like that or Sato gets you back somebody who can play that position. Because, uh, you know, like we, we said, this is going to be a busy year for uh, our busy offseason full of trades because of the weak free agent class. So uh, that's probably where I would look. It's hard to find like a specific name uh, to go after. I wish I could offer you something better, but also the power forward market's not great. I think one yeah. name I wrote down is like, you could look at a guy like, could like Kelly Olenek, could he be a backup center slash power forward again? I don't know. He's out there. I don't know how much money he played well at the end of the year for the Rockets, but that was for the Rockets. It, well, there's just not many good options out there. Well, and, and this is where it gets interesting because I think the reason I wanted to bring it up, this is where it kind of gets back to what we were talking about earlier with Daniel Tice. Is this where, you know, you kind of let the market play out and you realize that, there's not a lot of great power forward options. We can't really make trades. Do we bring back Daniel Tice to fill a role that he played pretty well in starting at the, the four next to Vooch? So maybe that's the scenario that happens. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see it coming down to that because I think they'll, you know, they'll hunt for it. They'll hunt maybe for some possible trades. And like you said, maybe it just comes to end. You know, Tice seemed to enjoy his time here and, you know, hopefully he he kind of liked what the Bulls were building, so he would he would be willing to kind of wait and see what the Bulls were thinking. So yeah, I think it's something that that you definitely got to think about. And also, obviously, Thad can fill that role if he comes back for a little while. Um, and and maybe who knows? Maybe that the lack of a good power forward option is what pushes them to put Patrick Williams there. And mm-hmm. because there are more options at the wing, and at the, there's always more wing options, and there's always more potential small forwards. So maybe that's what that makes them ultimately go, okay, we're going to put uh, let Pat play the four and, and we're going to sign this guy to potentially be our starting small forward or something. So the, for the real quick, again, just to go back when you were saying about, is Will Barton your number one option there if, if you can get him at the right price? Yeah, I would definitely like him. I mean, I think he fits 
win soonish. I like I don't really call it win now. I call it win soon. Uh, method that the Bulls are going for. You know, he's only thirty years old. Yeah, he's a good all around player. Uh, plays hard. Solid defender. So if he was a guy who opted out of his player option, again, if he opts out, I think his player option is like 13 mil. I don't know how much he's looking for on his contract, but Arturis knowing him and being there with him, maybe he'd be willing to, to pay him that money. But yeah, I would like, I would like Barton at that position. I think, you know, that, that could be a good get for them. So knowing that making the playoffs is the goal for 2022. And given that you've constructed a team where you've added Lonzo Ball, You've either kind of made some moves for some supplementary role players. You've potentially brought back Tice at the right price, or you've added somebody like a Will Barton. What do you think the ceiling is for that team that you've constructed? Are you looking at like playing range 7-10 or within that 4-6 to six seed range? Well, the East was remarkably uh, unpredictable this season. I mean, the top, you had your top teams, you had your Nets, you had your Bucks. Um but, you know, seeing the the Hawks even ball, because the Hawks I was always high on after their offseason moves. I thought that they were definitely going to get into the playoffs. Uh, I just didn't, you know, I didn't know they were going to jump up to to, uh, to battling for four with the Knicks. And then who, you know, who the hell knew the Knicks were going to get the four. So uh, I think a six seed is, you know, obtainable. I think it's something that if you make the right jump, we've seen several teams do it uh, after a constructive offseason and after some smart uh, pickups that's what you push for. You definitely push for a four through six. Um, and, you know, hopefully you settle for nothing less than, you know, the, the seven or seven or eight, you don't want to be playing in the play in tournament, but at the end of the day, there's no question that uh, this should be a, a, a playoff team. I think under those, under those moves and also just in general next season, that's what this team's rooting for. And, and that's where they should be is in the playoffs. So if, if the team for some reason is under the 500 mark, as you get to the deadline and you're floating in that like nine to 12 range in the East, kind of similar to how the bulls were this past season. Are you looking at this point to potentially trade Zach and start a rebuild again? Or are you trying to make moves that cement you in the playoff picture after the deadline? That's a good question. I probably not looking to trade. I'm not looking to trade Zach because I think, you know, he's somebody who you got to kind of stay committed to, um, He's obviously a high caliber player. I think after this season, no one's really doubting that. No one's doubting his, uh, his elite scoring ability. And obviously in this league, uh, yeah, there are a lot of guys who can score the basketball, but there are not a lot of guys who can score it as efficiently as him. So I'm kind of doing what I can to keep him. And I probably just try to be even more aggressive than uh, I know they added, obviously they added an all-star, but I would be very aggressive at the deadline. Try to add a couple more pieces. Uh, you're not dealing with a lot of the stresses that you were this past season. Um, hopefully you have your core intact already with Levine and, and Booch. So they, they know what they're doing. You just kind of have to figure out the rest. So yeah, I'd probably be aggressive and, and try to make the right moves to cement uh, a playoff. The, the Zach Levine situation, like I said, is going to be something that probably looms into the season potentially, because it, this kind of plays into how you're going to make this team desirable in that 2022 off season. So how are you going to then approach this? I, I would guess the real, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley would probably have no problem giving Levine that super max level contract. But is it possible that Zach Levine could 
heading into that off season still want to test the free agent waters? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think it's definitely possible. Uh, I, it's hard to rule it out, especially with the, the history that the bulls have had. And that's why this, uh, we talk about this off season being so important. And that's why I think you're, you know, you're doing this whole uh, thought experiment because uh, he's just kind of the piece that you want to say he's, you know, I want to say he's loyal. I want to say he likes it here, but people get uncomfortable in the NBA players, <laughs> players minds change in the NBA. Uh, it only takes one season for things to go south for somebody to want to uh, decide to move out of there. So um, I definitely think the door is still open for him to, if he's not assigned on an extension, the door is always open for him to go and potentially want to see what else is out there for him. And you can't blame him. I mean, if they, if they can't uh, build the right team around them and he is uh, assenting faster than they're building, he's going to want to walk and, and, or he might want to walk. And that's just a, that's just the reality. So how would you convince him to stick around? Because again, this is a pretty juicy offseason if the free agency class holds the form. So uh, what are some ways that you're trying to convince him that this is a desirable situation and really probably convincing other free agents that it's a desirable situation? Well, first, I think you have to make sure he's bought into to the organization still, you know, internally. And I think that's something that we did see, fortunately, this this past uh, this past season is is he does seem to, to be bought in with the coaching staff, uh, seems to love Donovan, uh, seems to love the front office. So first, that's what you want to make sure is that he, he loves everybody in, in, internally. Second, you just got to continue to show him that uh, players are developing someone like Patrick Williams, remind him of, you know, the potential that a guy like that has to to legitimately be a star in this league um you know hopefully patrick williams shows some of that stardom this next season but uh you know if even if he doesn't there there's still all the tools there to be a really high caliber player so i think you have to remind him of that uh and then you got to just try to to tell him that you're going to make the right moves to to land a big fish you know ultimately that's kind of the last resort thing anyone can do and you're probably going to see it with uh you're going to see it with, well, you saw it in in Houston with James Harden, you know, like they got rid of Chris Paul and they were like, well, we're going to get Russell Westbrook for you. And you're probably going to see something along those lines with Damian Lillard uh, in Portland. They're going to try to probably, they're going to be in conversations, I'm sure, to try to go after somebody. So you just kind of have to give them names and say like, oh, we might go after this guy or we're going to finally trade this person to this person for a, a budding star because as great as Vucevic is, and he's another all-star, um, you know, Vucevic is not a superstar. He's he's not the at that high high level. He's he's a good player, but and he's a and like I said, he's an all star, but he's not that type. So you just got to keep telling him like, oh, we're gonna do what we can to get you that that uh, that star. Let me throw this at you then, because it, it kind of does relate to this. Because Vucevic, you know, I think he's gonna continue to be a productive player, um, but to your point, he's not necessarily by any means a superstar caliber player. By the time we get to the 2022 offseason, he's going to be 31 going on 32 with a year left on his contract. Now, it is a de-escalating contract, and in that year, he'll be worth uh, about $22 million. What would you do? Would you look to keep him, or are you going to try to move him to free up that cap space to go after the big free agent or potentially take a big swing in the trade market? Yeah, well, the first thing I want to say is I think, you know, you just pointed it out. That de-escalating contract is actually kind of a big deal. I mean, that's something I don't think was talked about enough when they acquired him is he's similar to Levine in the way that he's on a pretty nice contract for the production that he gives you. I mean, I know you added, it seems like a lot when you add him and you consider like the years and you add it all up, but like 
at the end of the day, what he's giving you is giving you all-star production at a relatively reasonable contract, and it's going down. So with that in mind, I'm not looking to get rid of him really in any way, just because also, like you said, um, he's going to age nicely, in my opinion. I don't really see a way that uh, he kind of drops off the end because he's not someone who relies heavily uh, on his athleticism. He's someone who has really strongly developed his his jumper. I mean, over the years, it's been crazy to see not only – the amount that he's taking these shots, but the fact that he's sinking them and his efficiency has gone up. Uh, so, you know, if he's getting down, if he's sinking that three point uh, shot and he's uh, doing what he does around the rim and just kind of being a smart player, uh, I don't think his value is going to diminish too greatly. Is, that, is he going to go on to be an all-star next year, next year, next year? You know, probably not, but he's going to give you the kind of production that you want out of uh, the center position. And I think he's a good fit alongside a guy like Levine. So um, I'd be comfortable sticking with him and, you know, see how much he would want on a next contract potentially. I don't know how much it would be, but uh, I know he's in his early thirties, but again, I just don't see him really dropping off. Yeah. And I, I kind of would rather, you know, go into an off season with big free agents and try to sell the idea to a free agent that we're going to bring back Zach. And we also still have Luch here. We have Patrick Williams. We have, you know, Kobe white, which I'll get into him in a little bit. Um, but the idea that, like, hey, look at these pieces come join this group, and I think Vooch is a big part of that. And I'll give you an interesting comparison, Elias, and it's not, you know, apples to apples, but he kind of reminds me of a little bit like when Paul Gasol hit his 30s. Like, Paul Gasol was consistently good even in his last years in the league. It, it wasn't like – and I he had defensive efficiency deficiencies, don't get me wrong – but offensively, he was always a really productive player, and I feel like that's what Vooch is going to be for probably at least like another you know three or four years. I don't think that's a bad comparison at all because also, like you said, I mean the defense, some of the defensive efficiencies, uh, there were things, and also the athleticism is a big part of it, right? Like how is he wasn't this uh, as he got older, he wasn't going to be this ultra uh, athletic guy, and ultimately that's kind of what fizzled him out. But yeah, I mean, what was he when he was with Chicago? He was in his mid thirties and he was making all star yeah. games. So I, I think that's a great comparison. I think that's a good way to look at it, at least uh, career tra- trajectory wise. Vucevic could easily, you know, maybe he'll miss the all star game next year, but then I don't think anyone would be surprised if he made it again the year after. Or like he's just going to be one of those guys that's probably always in the running. And you know what you're going to get. And when you look at his stats over the past four years, it's been nothing but a slow build, but also consistency. And that's just something the Bulls need out of that position. And that's also something that free agents value. I mean, like you said, you can sell to them. Hey, we have Vuce- we have Vucevic. You know what you're going to get from him. You know that he's been to all-star games. You know when you play him, he's a tough out. He's a tough guy to guard. So I think uh, I think he's definitely somebody that can help uh, sell other guys. So I mentioned Kobe White and... In the 2022 offseason, he's going to be entering that fourth year. So to create flexibility, would you opt out of Kobe White's fourth year to create more space? You'd be opting out of about $7 million. Or do you want to make sure that he's part of this roster? Because I'm one of those people that thinks, despite him not being a traditional point guard, I think he's a very valuable spark plug combo guard that you would never sneeze at having on your team. So what would you do with Kobe White heading into the uh, 2022 offseason? Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think you uh, 
you know, you keep them around. I, I, again, it goes back to the thing. I'm not looking to just kind of get rid of, just get rid of somebody, like especially a, a young player with, uh, with his scoring ability. Um, I'm not just going to let him walk or opt out. I, again, it's, you know, maybe there's some random superstar free agent that comes into the picture and you do what you have to do. But I, I don't really see a, a position where I see that happening. And also, I think Kobe White's a player that other players like. I mean, he seems like some uh, Kevin Durant is a guy who's talked very highly about him. I feel like he's one of those guys that other players, when they play him and they see him go off, they're like, man, this kid really, you know, this kid really got game. So, uh, like you said, regardless if it's a traditional point guard or not, he has a uh, scoring ability that teams covet. And if he's coming off the bench as your sixth man, I'll gladly take that. Uh, I think he's part of it. The Bulls have seemed to stress that he's, he's still part of their core. And uh, I'm for that. I, I, I want to keep him through, you know, as long as he's under contract, uh, I would plan to keep him. Let's say all the heavy hitters do indeed hit the open market in 2022. And some of these names are pretty big. Kevin Durant has a player option. Jimmy Butler has a player option. Kawhi Leonard's an unrestricted free agent. You have uh, James Harden with a player option. Bradley Beal with a player option. And the point guard market's kind of interesting too. Steph Curry is unrestricted. John Wall, Russell Westbrook have player options. Chris Paul's unrestricted. Kyrie Irving has a player option. Who do you think vaults the Bulls of these names? Who do you think could vault the Bulls into top tier status in the Eastern Conference? All of them. A lot of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not, I mean, no, it's a good question, but it's one of those things that you sit here, right? And you go like, I mean, I'll take really any of those guys that you just. <laughs> let me, let me then slightly rephrase it. I'll, let me tweak that. Who do you think vaults them into top tier status and is a good fit? So let's say you're keeping Levine, Vucevic, Patrick Williams, Kobe White. And, you know, you added Lonzo Ball. Let's say that even he's kind of flexible because maybe he's still desirable in the trade market if, if you know you're going to get a commitment from somebody. So who would be the that name that you're you're gunning for? I was looking at this earlier, and I'll just kind of go with like some realistic, real like you said, realistic fits or whatever. Um, I think that, uh, and I'll also keep age in mind and things like that. Obviously, if we're going to just kind of go like balls to the wall and pick someone, I mean, I would 100% take Steph Curry doesn't matter his age. Like I, I would take Steph Curry no matter what, and I'd throw him in there, and he would immediately vault the team. I'm sure, a, a, a insanely high. Um, and I would trade, I would trade Lonzo for him. I would trade Lonzo and, and you know Kobe for him in that sense. Like, uh, but I, he's, I guess he's unrestricted that. So yeah, you would just sign him. But whatever, he would be somebody that I would definitely look at. Um, you know, I, Bradley Beal is an interesting one just because you have Levine. I don't know how the two of them like who's really who's really like dishing it out and stuff, but the two of them, the combination, there's no doubt that like that scoring would be absolutely crazy. And I don't think, uh, you know, it'd be semi like the Nets, what the Nets have right now with the way that they just beat people with their offense. I mean, that would just be what the Bulls do. And we're seeing right now that you can do that. You can just beat people with offense. So, you know, maybe that's something that works out, but here I looked at this earlier and I'm going to throw out like just some names not even like maybe the biggest of biggest names, but names that I think would be like potentially realistic and good fits for them, keeping age in mind. Um, I was looking at someone like Mikhail Bridges, right? Mikhail Bridges is available. Uh, that could be somebody who, especially by then, is playing really high level basketball, and maybe he's you know like a your your small forward. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, that's a point guard, a young point guard. 
that could potentially be available. Uh, I'm assuming OKC wants to keep him in the picture. Um, but maybe OKC ends up as one of the teams that gets Kate or something, you know, and then Shea's like, and they're rebuilding and Shea wants to get out of there. So I would look, uh, I would gladly add someone like Shea Gilders Alexander next to Levine. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., he would be a power forward in that sense. I think he would be, uh, he's someone that could be available. So names like that, that are up and coming in a way, you know, like guys who are still younger, up and coming. Uh, those would be fun additions in my mind. Like just, just not maybe those, uh, those huge, huge names, but more potentially realistic additions that could be really fun if the Bulls are good by then. Well, and, and that's probably what might happen come 2022 is like we were talking about this past off season, we thought that there was going to be a really sexy free agent class this coming summer and all those guys re-upped with their team before they hit the open market. So it's probably more realistic that happens. And it's probably more realistic the Bulls find their superstar addition through the trade market. I feel like that's probably where they could end up making a major splash in right. that off season. That just seems to be also where, I mean, that's just kind of how it happens nowadays. You know, I yep. mean, it's so, it's so rare that you're, I mean, yeah, the Nets did what they did and they both got Katie and uh, Kyrie through free agency. Um, and obviously you have, so you have that instance, you got like LeBron going to the Lakers, but um when you already kind of have something intact, it's it's a lot of trade stuff nowadays. And I think that's how the, the, the Bulls would ultimately have to do it. It's hard because they, for Vucevic, they traded picks. So like, what, I think if they trade like one more pick or something, they can't trade for a first round pick for several years. But, you know, if they're, if they're adding young assets or whatever, they'll have guys they can potentially move around and guys they can potentially trade. So uh, mm-hmm. that's definitely where I would look for it is in, in the trade market would be where, I would see a superstar addition potentially happen. And as I said before, you know, with your addition of Lonzo Ball, I, I think Lonzo gives you a upgrade at, at a position of need, but also he's probably somebody that could still be a desirable player going forward because of age. We talked about Vucevic's de-escalating contract. It is desirable. So, you know, like I'll throw out a name. I've thrown him out in past episodes, Carl Anthony Towns. Colin Towns has a very kind of intriguing contract situation. He's younger. The timelines with that kind of add up. They're good friends too. If he's available, like in that off season, it's very possible you could make a deal work where you can unload some potential players in that deal to make it work. And you have to get creative with the picks too because of the Stepien rule, but there's a couple of major teams in the league that are also facing that that situation oh, yeah. it seems like almost the, it seems like almost the whole league is dealing with with that issue with it's all oklahoma draft. city man it's all oklahoma city they own everyone's picks and and, exactly. and uh, houston now i guess but yeah i don't mind i don't mind that idea at all i think it's his situation is going to be interesting to watch um you know i do, i do think if anything uh if anyone's going to be moved uh in Minnesota, uh, oddly enough, I feel like it could end up being just D'Angelo Russell because you got Anthony Edwards now, and they would might want to try to do the Anthony Edwards cap thing. But um, yeah, but if they don't start start winning or, or anything, I mean, Cat might want out, and uh, and I don't mind that addition for the Bulls. He's just it's hard because the same kind of issue that I have, and I love Vucevic, but it's the same kind of I guess not issue but concern I have with someone like that, where it's like Levine's the guy who's never won. Vucevic is a guy who, yes, he's been to like two playoffs, but all things considered, never really won. It, 
it, it's going to be hard. That's why I think some of some of the additions they need to make this offseason and stuff could be like veteran guys, guys who've been on playoff teams, because you still need that that energy in the locker room and the guys who have been there and who have done that. And that's the same thing with Cat. If you start building around like a Cat and Levine, Cat hasn't really been there, so uh, you got to make sure you build up around with those strong role players who have who have uh, grabbed some of that experience. Before I spring you loose, Elias this has been a lot of fun. Tell the people where they can find your work, where they can find your opinions on the uh, the Twitter machine. <laughs> yes, the, the Twitter machine. You can find me at Schuster underscore Elias. That's at S-C-H-U-S-T-E-R underscore E-L-I-A-S. And then uh, you can find me even more so at uh, Bleacher Nation Bulls. That's at B-N Bulls, B-N underscore Bulls on Twitter. Um, but of course, BleacherNation.com. Uh, that's where I'm writing every day, painfully through the off season. There's not, there's not every day. They don't give you content to write about during the off season. You know, not, not the best, but, uh, we come up with some stuff. And we talk about things. So. The good news is that we are roughly two weeks away from the draft lottery. So there could be something maybe from there that can create some news for you. I hope so. I hope so. We're, we're sl- still, as more teams get out, then we're closer to the draft, free agency. So there'll be a little bit more in March. So we're at a little bit of a rough patch right here, but uh, we're still having a good time. Elias, thank you so much again. And we'll have you on, of course, as we uh, progress through the off season. Awesome. Yeah, I love coming on. Whenever you need me, I'll be here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.